Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. When things are going wrong in our life or we're feeling uncomfortable or unhappy, the first thing we generally do is ask who's to blame. We point our fingers on the outside and it can create a gap really in between us and the other people in our lives that can be hard to mend. In this episode, we're talking about this concept of blame and how to use soul recovery to let go and release blame, open to compassion, open to forgiveness, open to a tenderness of spirit that allows you to see all sides but mostly taking responsibility for our own side. It's the only place we have control anyway. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change positive results in our lives will follow. For today's episode, I'm reaching into the Soul Truth Self-Awareness Oracle Card Deck. And as I pulled a card, I thought, ah, interesting. The card reads, on whom am I placing blame right now? And on the back, it says, a person who blames others has not begun their lesson. A person who blames themselves has begun their lesson. A person who blames no one has finished their lesson. And it's an unknown person who made that quote. The action that it states is, take responsibility. On whom are you placing blame right now? Today, free yourself by releasing all victimhood, blame, and resistance. They don't belong where you're going. Only love and courage live there. Make a choice to do it. Even if you don't feel ready, listen to your heart and you will be led. Isn't that beautiful? It's interesting because it goes along with last week's bonus episode on forgiveness. Who do I need to forgive right now? And blame is such an interesting part of all of that. I know that in my soul recovery journey, in my times of desperation, in my times of my deepest pain, It really came around feeling like somebody else was responsible for what was going on inside of me that didn't feel good and that I felt justified in how I saw it. And it's part of our being human. I have more and more clarity all the time about these stages of our lives. And in listening to Ram Dass, who is a longtime spiritual leader now past, 
He says that we have to actually create a sense of self before we can start to work on our sense of self. So I think it's interesting because it lays into this piece that says, why do I have to blame? Why did these things happen to me? How come I had to have darkness? Why couldn't I have just had it be easy? Why couldn't people just show up the way that I want them to show up? Why does it have to be this way? And I have more and more clarity around these stages of our development, these stages of our spiritual development, our emotional development. And I think I've mentioned it before, but as a child, we are just trying to survive. We need our parents to survive. If we aren't fed, if we aren't bathed, if we aren't diapered, if we aren't given those basic necessities, laid down to sleep, tended to just a little bit when we cry, kept from harm, we won't literally survive. So that's the animal instinct of us that will figure out how and what to do to survive, to literally stay alive. And pretty quickly that starts moving into how our personality needs to be, how we need to relate to people, how we need to relate to our parents, to our caretakers, to give us these parts of us that we innately need. And what I think is so fascinating is most people had their kids in their 20s. That's moving past now, people having kids in their 30s and 40s. But the way our biology works is that you're supposed to have children in your 20s and maybe early 30s. That's when women are the most fertile. And isn't it interesting that those are the years where we're just discovering who we are. We're still in response in our 20s and 30s to those situations, those reactions, those ways of being that we experienced when we were young. And that came with dysfunction that wasn't perfect. And so we're grasping at those years, our source and our sense of identity. We're trying to figure out who we are. Who am I? How do I exist in the world? How do I relate to other people? You're getting a sense of self and your ego, which we all need our ego, which gets what it wants and works to not make us be uncomfortable. We couldn't go out and do hard things if we didn't have that element of ourselves. And then we get to this place where we've stopped being the caregiver for everybody. We've moved maybe into closer into middle life and everybody's on their own personalities. And now we start taking a look at ourselves and noticing that we're not happy. Most of us notice that there's an emptiness in us on some level. And we start looking at why that is. What's up with that? How did, how did we get here to all of a sudden that dream that we had that we were going to have the happily ever after the husband and the wife and the kids and the job and the house and whatever those dreams were that even if it looks on the outside, like you've accomplished and achieved those dreams, generally for most of us, there is some part of us that is missing something because there's been so much attention on the outside, on filling up from the outside to produce happiness on the inside. And then we look around and say, who's at fault here? How did this happen to me? I didn't want this. I didn't do this. Somebody must be to blame. This is somebody's fault that I don't feel good about myself. Whose fault is it? And the truth is, shit happens to us. People do shitty things, unkind things, traumatic things. 
people are out there doing their own experience and on, in their own pain. And out of their own pain, they make choices to use substances, to cheat, to spend money, to be detached, to not tell the whole truth, to hide, to hide themselves, to shut down, just like we're doing in our own way with our own things that maybe doesn't look exactly like what their responses are to their pain, but their responses, we have our own responses to that pain. And we get to this place in our lives where we're just pointing the finger at each other. I know I did that. You know, I talk a lot about how hard it was with Rich and I and with the kids. And there was a lot, a lot of really, really good years and good stuff. There was a lot of joy and a lot of fun. So it's not like we look at our lives and we think that it's all one thing. Because it's not. It's like you're standing at a huge buffet and sometimes you're having the steak and the ribs and the lobster, the things that I love to eat and the dessert. And sometimes someone's making you have liver and onions on your plate. And sometimes it feels like you don't get any of the good stuff. You're only getting the yucky stuff. I think it's important for us to really look at this place that we get in our life where we start to want to blame somebody, something some circumstance, some situation, some other human, lots of other humans for why we're unhappy. And so when I look at my life and I look at all of the good that was happening, on some level, as things started to disintegrate a little bit, and it really started after Rich came back from building the cabin for three years for my mom up in the mountains where they lived, if you've heard these stories before, they lived in tents and they worked during the winter, if you can believe it, because then he would come back in the summer and run his hardscape business here in town to make money. So for basically three years from the time I was pregnant with Bodhi until Bodhi was a toddler, and this is 20 years ago, he was up in the mountains building this amazing cabin that was his life's dream to make to design, to build this, this building, this beautiful building that ended up making. But at that time, what did he use for fuel to keep him motivated? Big handles of tequila and, and vodka and the people that he was with were big partiers. And it was how they revved their engine. It was how they really made themselves feel like they could keep going with it and have fun with it. And so when he would come back on the weekends or in the summer, he had slipped into a pretty heavy level of alcoholism at that point. And at this point, I had little babies. I had Alex, who when Bodhi was born was two and a half years old. So I had a toddler and a newborn baby. And then they were growing up and I couldn't check out. I was drinking a little bit, you know, having a glass of wine or a beer or margarita now and then, but I wasn't drinking like I drank at the end of my drinking because I had to be responsible. Somebody had to be taking care of these children and I was doing the best that I could. But I found myself as those years progressed and when Rich came back from this project, he was different. He had changed. There had been a edge that had been created around him, a hardness from living that way and from drinking that much. 
my behavior was that I shut down, that I learned how to protect myself in ways that I had learned from my entire life, which was to disconnect and detach, but to detach from a place of fear instead of a detachment from a place of power and strength. And it started a journey where there was just a gap in our connection. So even though he came back and we had, again, amazing times in our life and really times of connection, the gap started to widen in how we related to each other. And I found myself really pointing the finger at Rich for being responsible for the gap, that I needed to blame him for the gap. And when I look back on it, it makes sense. And so part of soul recovery, a huge piece of soul recovery is about not blaming yourself, not placing judgment and shame on yourself. We're not here to figure out that kind of blame where it says on the back of the card that a person who begins, who blames himself has begun the lesson. Now, I'm going to take that a different way because I think a person who starts to take responsibility for their part starts the lesson. The person who takes responsibility for their way of seeing, for their way of connecting, for their way of responding. Because when I look at who I was in that time period, what I can see is I can see somebody who felt really lonely and really isolated and was really excited to have these children. And when we had first had Alex, Rich was so involved and so invested and came to every appointment that I had. And the way that he was there at the birth was amazing. And the first one to wash his little hair and just all these beautiful things. Wow, that really choked me up. It made me cry. Just remembering that tenderness that he had. And so how how striking it was for me, how difficult it was for me that he was just exhausted and worn out and it didn't have anything to do with me. It really had to do with him and where he was emotionally and in his life that it felt to me I wanted to blame him. It felt to me like I was being abandoned. So the funny thing about those gaps is that they change in size. And as soon as it starts to feel good, as soon as we start to feel like there's hope or there's potential that we want to we want to be only on that side of the gap. But life is complicated. And human beings are complicated and all of our processing, all of our individual stuff is complicated. And so the more that we blame, the more that we stand in the gap and we think that somebody's responsible for the gap, the bigger it gets, inevitably. From both sides, as they're standing there pointing their finger at you, they're widening the gap from their perspective too. And it's our nature to do that. Our nature is to find who's wrong. Our nature is to control it. Our nature is to figure out what's wrong so that there can be a solution. If I can just figure out what's wrong, 
then I can fix it. And if I can fix it, my ego will be satiated and I won't be uncomfortable and I'll have what I want. But by taking responsibility from my side for just recognizing how I shut down and how I wasn't as patient and understanding in those years, those early years, and how that began the process of that gap widening so that as we were having good times, I wanted more of those good times. And so then when it fell back, I got even more upset that it wasn't the way that I wanted it because those moments where we were the family that I wanted, I wouldn't allow myself just to be there and to be present in that and just soak that up and be grateful for that. I was in that moment afraid that it was going to go away. And Rich was a wonderful dad in so many ways. He loved to play with them and and he read to them and took care of them and took them on outings and did all kinds of things. And it really wasn't until we got to when the kids were in, oh, like late elementary school, early middle school, that things started to get more complicated. And again, when we look at like the blame that we have, if I look at what those years were, it was 2008. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make deep and real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media, join the private Facebook group, and even our monthly soul recovery support group on Zoom to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If these episodes are helping you in any way and you want to donate, you want to really figure out how can I support this community and recover your soul, please look at the show notes below. There is a link to be able to donate monthly three, five, eight, or $10. This cost of a fancy cup of coffee would really help support this community and recover your soul. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul which meant that Bodhi was around nine and Alex was around 11. And that's right around the years where things started to get really hard. And that was the year that the, that there was the huge recession and crash. And my husband's business fell off completely. There had been a huge boom in terms of people having a bunch of money to refinance their homes and spend tons of money fixing up their yards and making their homes beautiful. And that's what he did for a living. So everything that he did was people's slush money. And as soon as the slush money was over, there was nothing. And it was also right around that time that Rich's mom died. And to be honest, if she hadn't left him some money, not a lot, but enough that we could live off of for that short period of time, I don't know what would have happened to us. I don't know if we could have maintained this house. I worked, but I certainly didn't make enough money to pay for a whole house, or he would have had to go get another kind of job. I'm sure we would have figured it out. But when I look at my blame and my wishing that he was being different at that time, what I now know 
is how much intense pain he was going through around not being able to be the kind of provider that he had been before, that the value of what he had, was doing as for work was falling off. And so he went into old patterns. He went back into drinking. He got more edgy. He got more irritated. And at this point, Alex is starting to not do well in school because the truth is the kid hated school. School was not his deal. Man, do I wish that I could, if I have a regret, I wish I would have known and seen that better and sent him to an alternative school instead of continuing to force him to try to be normal. I think that's my biggest regret. But we both dealt with all of those things in our own ways. And unfortunately, by this time, our gap had gotten pretty wide. And I felt like if Rich would be different, if he could just be different, if he just didn't drink as much, I didn't seem to think that I had a problem drinking, but I did. If he would just act differently with the kids, if he didn't get so easily upset about things, then we would be okay. The gap would would go away and we could we could be the family that I was envisioning. It says, take responsibility on whom are you placing blame right now. Today, free yourself by releasing all victimhood, blame, and resistance. And at that time, I wasn't ready to do that. And I think that's the thing that's also really important, which is that This journey that we're on is each of our own unique journeys. And I needed to go through that experience as hard as it was, as painful as it was, to be able to appreciate the value of what I'm doing in my soul recovery today. The value of really seeing my part and not just seeing it and then blaming myself, but seeing it and having compassion for myself, deep, deep, deep compassion for my feelings at those times, my awareness at those times, my needs that weren't being met, how hard it was to be raising these boys, how much I wanted to do everything just right. And that we each were in a situation where we were just coming from our own backgrounds, our own projections, our own perceptions, our own way of looking at the world, our own values. And we couldn't get across the gap. Now, I don't speak for Rich because we can't speak for each other, to be honest. That's the reason why. I actually don't really know a lot about how he felt about me in these periods of time. And it's interesting, we have done a lot of work together, but we haven't really processed a lot of this stuff through because, as I've said in other podcasts, in a way, we want the other person to really understand where we're coming from so that we can share our side, so that we can have them really understand what we meant by something, why we were reacting the way we were reacting. But when you're in a relationship with somebody, especially a romantic relationship or with kids or parents, really family members, and we each have so much of our own stuff that it's almost impossible for the other person, unless they've really done their own soul recovery work, to just be present and to be able to hear your 
experience without them needing to defend their experience. So I find that living in a living amend with Rich, which means that I'm going to show up at this part of our lives in a different way. I'm going to show up as my fullest self that I can. I'm going to show up letting go and releasing the blame and not holding on to the past, not holding on to these ways that we were, but having compassion for each of us and allowing more and more acceptance of just who we were then and who we are now. And taking consistent responsibility for my perception and how I'm showing up in every situation. And I think the biggest thing that I feel from those years is to give myself so much kindness and grace for how hard it was. And that it's not about someone being right or wrong, because that's the part where we can get really stuck, that someone was right and someone was wrong. We each had our own experience in it. And for me, it was really hard. And I wanted a different connection with somebody who couldn't connect with me in the way that I wanted. And that's okay, that I needed that. And it's okay to have been sad that I didn't have it. But it is different than laying blame on somebody and saying, you are the reason why I am unhappy. Because in soul recovery, we're learning to take our power back. We're learning that we cannot control anything outside of ourselves. But when we need somebody else to be a certain way for us to be okay, we've actually lost control and the power of ourselves the one place that we have it, we give it away. And so I can see how I gave it away in those years. And I can have tenderness to myself and I can forgive myself for how I felt, for standing in the gap, for making the gap wider, for protecting myself, for being upset. And then I can let it go. If you let go of being a victim It lets you be able to move forward to the next step, to be the fullest you. And I love that because it's really about where we're talking about in soul recovery of standing in your own strength and allowing the world to be as it is, the complexity and the nature of what it is, and let people be in their own experience without it affecting us in the way that this progression of learning who we are through these steps from childhood, our younger life, figuring out who we are, all of a sudden questioning, who am I? How do I work in the world? It's at this moment that we start to claim that, that we start to claim who we are. And we start to ask questions about, what do I like to do? What do I need? How do I resource myself? How can I be present with myself in a positive, helpful way, even when the world around me feels untenable? How can I be okay when they're not okay? How can I make choices in my life that are healthy and around what is best for me? Around what is best for me. And sometimes that means that you need to leave situations. Sometimes that means that you need to make hard choices. And the main part is to remember that you are deserving 
of the life of your dreams and that letting go of blame for everyone is the greatest freedom and opening to your being able to have clarity about who you are and what is your purpose here. And how can you live in a living amend to those people in your life that has been complicated and also into the world and to yourself? Letting go of blame of yourself and others. So I'll read that last part of the card again. Take responsibility. On whom are you placing blame right now? Today, free yourself by releasing all victimhood blame, and resistance. They don't belong to where you're going. Only love and courage live there. Make a choice to do it, even if you don't feel ready. Listen to your heart, and you will be led. I'm going to say it again. If you need any assistance with this, book a coaching session with me. I'm here to help you. Until next time, namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my soul recovery journey? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's your call to action. If you're ready for real interchange and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with higher power, whatever that is for you, and then to discover and step into a happy and healthy life of your making. You can also become part of the Soul Recovery Community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's on Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website and get your Zoom link. It's the same link every month. We are also on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and now even Insight Timer. Yes, lots of ways to connect. There is even a private Facebook group that will allow you for more communication and conversation about soul recovery with your community. If you'd like an extra bonus episode every Friday, you can become an Apple Podcast subscriber or choose your tier level of giving on Patreon. I'd also love all the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time and give me five stars, a quick review, share the podcast with friends and family, make sure you're subscribing however you listen to the podcast. We're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you, thank you for going to the website, pushing the donate button, and giving whatever feels right to you. It means so much to me because I have this mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, everything that you do to be part of this community is making all that happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul.
The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.